yeah, we'll hit that first, and then that'll be working, and then we'll start the local recording. And with the local recording started, we'll go check in on Ann Coulter, and it goes a little something like this. That's it. It's over. Then we organize the death squads for the people who wrecked America. You know what you call people you can't talk to? Enemies. And if we want to divide our society into armed camps of enmity, all we have to do is keep doing what we're doing. A radical agenda the event has turned into an opportunity for the left to push a racial and radical agenda. Implementing their radical agenda is the only thing they care about. They're bad actors. What they want to do here is ram their radical agenda down your throat. These are great Americans. These are people that want to see great things for the country. You know, they try and build them like uh, sort of a radical agenda. It's not a radical agenda. It's called the Second All Amendment. All right, on with it. Welcome to the Radical Agenda. It's a show about timeless ideas and news of the day and whatever's on your mind at 217-688-1433. Yes, this agenda is quite radical and welcome to it. This 55th episode of the Sixth Stage of the Program. Today is February 16th, 2024 is the current year. It's a Friday as usual and we are coming to you live once again from my undisclosed location where, um... You know, February, you're surely aware, is uh, it's Black History Month. And, you know, we've done different things for Black History Month. We would not want to miss out on an opportunity to celebrate diversity in America, of course. Here on the Radical Agenda, this live uncensored and mostly unscripted entertainment program as it is. It's a time to celebrate diversity in America by dedicating 28 days to the contributions black people have made to society. And this is no small task, of course. Trying to find such contributions without lying proves very difficult indeed. There are plenty of fairy tales, most notably that of Martin Luther King Jr., of course. For those in the know, however, King was a charlatan and a philanderer. This makes him one of the more common examples of black behavior, and not at all the sort of thing that Jews want portrayed about their most easily controlled pets. There are many well-intentioned folks who say that we should do away with Black History Month, right? That we should get to viewing skin color, much like we do hair or eye color, a largely insignificant cosmetic feature, wholly unworthy of a month of study. But that seems unlikely when blacks are making history so frequently each and every day in modern America, doesn't it? Granted, these history-making moments are not what one would tend to call contributions. Most, in fact, are more accurately described as crimes. Just after I sent out the email for today's show, I find out that Letitia James, the black attorney general for the state of New York, managed to get Judge Engeron, I'm pretty sure it's a Jew, to hit Trump, you know, the former president of the United States, with a $354 million penalty and uh, both of his sons, $4 million, and the guy who ratted them out, $1 million, because, you know, you 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 get prizes when you're a snitch. In her sham persecution of the former president's company, all without the benefit of a jury, mind you, not the juries have proven very useful, in my experience. Been through a couple of those. Look at this video from, uh, from the courtroom. This was amazing. Look at the judge. He's so proud of himself. He's like, oh, I got him. We got him. And she's like, yeah, you motherfucker. That's what you get fucking around with me. They're just so proud of themselves, you know. There's no shame in their game. The two of them, you know, massive slave girl doing their thing. And uh, it's just amazing, you know. Down in Georgia, black district attorney Fannie Willis made a fool out of herself 
taking the stand in her own defense after it was discovered that she was sleeping with the inexperienced black lawyer she hired to prosecute Trump at taxpayer expense and then funneled that money back to herself. And when she took the stand, it actually didn't go so well for her because she still thinks that, you know, she could do whatever she wants, right? She makes an ass out of herself in the courtroom. Or wait, let me do, let's play the a remark from um, Letitia James before we go on to Fannie Willis. Deceptive business practices and tremendous fraud. Donald Trump falsely, knowingly, inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself, his family, and to cheat the system. Donald Trump may have authored the art of the deal, but he perfected the art of the steal. This long-running fraud was intentional, egregious, illegal. And he did it all of this, he did all of this with the help of the other defendants, his two adult sons, and senior executives at the Trump Organization. And so, after 11 weeks of trial, we showed the staggering extent of his fraud and exactly how Donald Trump and the other defendants deceived banks, insurance companies, and other financial institutions for their own personal gain. We proved just how much Donald Trump, his family, and his company unjustly benefited from his fraud. Today, the court once again ruled in our favor and in favor of every hardworking American who plays by the rules. Donald Trump and the other defendants were ordered to pay $463.9 million. That represents $363.9 million in disgorgement, plus $100 million in interest which will continue to increase every single day until it is paid. You believe that? They don't just steal these people. You know, it, it's not it's not good enough to steal, right? It, they've got to charge you interest on what, the, what they're stealing from you. Donald Trump, the former chief financial officer of the Trump Organization, Alan Weisselberg, and the former controller of the Trump Organization, Jeffrey McConney, are each banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York company for three years. Mr. Weisselberg and Mr. McConney are also banned for life from serving in a financial management role in any New York company. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump are banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York company for two years. And Donald Trump and his companies are banned from applying for loans from any New York bank or financial institution for three years. And so, you know, we've heard about financial deplatforming before, of course. Hang on one second. Why do I have that? That is frustrating in the extreme. Anyway, all right, we're going to have to come back to that. Maybe it's, is it, uh, yeah, this is what it is. Okay, let's fix that. Okay. Had a little background noise there. Apologize. And so these are, you know, top-level crooks, obviously. <laughs> top-level crooks. And here's a, you know, not quite top-level crook, but higher than most of the crooks that we're going to look at today. This is Fannie Willis, 
in a Georgia courtroom answering allegations that she's been stealing from the Georgia taxpayer by hiring her lover to do a fraud prosecution against the former president of the United States and then, while she's running around sleeping with him, getting the money funneled back to her. And because she thinks that she's on top of the world and that nobody can touch her, oh, well, she doesn't behave at all while she's on the stand. Visit you at a place that you resided. Okay. I don't understand. You want to give me that. In 2020, so I lived in South Fulton. Okay. That's the only place I lived in South Fulton. That's before I had to abandon my home, Judge. All right. And at my so, home in South Fulton, we'll never, he never came there, okay? So if you don't so, come someplace, you can't live there. Ms. Wells, that's going to have to caution you. That's going to be my first time I have to caution you. We have to listen to the questions as asked. And if this happens again and again, I'm going to have no choice but to strike your testimony. So need to break this down. Ms. Merchant's question, I believe, was uh, asking whether you lived anywhere other than South Fulton. And so she's just, you know, having outbursts in the courtroom, being like, hey, judge, tell this bitch to shut the fuck up. Doesn't she know I'm black and it's racist to question me? Unfortunately, the judge is like, you know, we're not going to fucking play that stupid game, you stupid bitch. I don't need to play the Trump fucking remarks on it. It's not actually that interesting. And so, you know, it just keeps on getting worse. George Floyd is almost too obvious to mention, obviously. His life of crime led him to the knee of a true martyr, one Derek Chauvin. Then the forces of darkness in every sense took this country to the depths of hell as if to see the patron saint of fentanyl one last time. Here's what these people think about what they're doing. If somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That's reparations. That's reparations. reparations. You're just giving you the money back. Take take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. Your people are getting plenty. (laughs) Oh, you're not getting anywhere near what you deserve, though, are you, sweetheart? My people are not getting anything. What about Patrice Cullors? Patrice Cullors, while all of this rioting and mayhem and murders going on, all of these buildings are being set on fire, you know, she was, you know, she was in at the early stages of this thing. You know, she tells everybody she's a trained Marxist, along with her compadres there. And, uh... You know, as a trained Marxist, obviously, she wants to make millions of dollars because this is what communists aspire to. And she stole millions of dollars from the organization that she was using to, you know, blackmail all of these companies. Broke onto the scene after the death of George Floyd in 2020. That year alone, it raised more than 90 million bucks and more money flowed in the next year. $90 million in 2020 that organization took in. Can you imagine what would happen if, forget about me, imagine Richard Spencer got $90 million. Now, I don't think that he'd be the best custodian of that money. You know, I'm not saying, but give that money to Jason Kessler of all fucking people. (laughs) What do you think would happen for our cause? You give $90 million to the worst guy we've got. Name him, whoever you think he is. Don't take my, 
you know, aspersions on these guys. Just think about the worst guy in our thing. Give that guy $90 million. What do you think happens? It's tough, it's tough to imagine because we we're not going to see anything like that anytime soon. Well, what did they do? Well, they rioted. They stole and they set things on fire. And we're like, well, how much does that cost? You know, well, it costs a lot of money. You know, they're not paying it, though, right? Obviously. And you'd think lots of it would actually go to the families of those people whose deaths they're fundraising off of. Tamir Rice, George Floyd, Michael Brown. But you'd be wrong. Tamir Rice's own mom has bashed the Black Lives Matter organization, saying they haven't sent him a dime. So where's the money going? Well, we already know BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors got busted for going on a little bit of a real estate spending spree, splashing 3.2 million bucks down on upscale properties all over the country. Now, thanks to an investigation by the Washington Examiner, we know that $60 million of BLM's war chest is currently missing. Poof. Just like that. It's gone. Maybe we should send somebody to BLM's headquarters to investigate. Oh, wait. There is no headquarters. That address is gone. It doesn't even check out. In fact, we don't even know who's running their whole operation or their cash flow right now. And they're not answering anyone's questions. So we're going to have to ask them. And we'll be paying them a visit, whoever they are and wherever they are. Here now, Sarah Westwood, the Washington Examiner's investigative reporter. So you're saying we don't know who runs it. We don't know where their headquarters are. And we don't know where any of the money went. Is this really true? Yeah, Jesse, this was some really skillful. I want to get there's actually it's not just that the money's missing. Candace Owens is the host of Candace. She joins us tonight. Candace, thanks so much. And we know that when we do this, when we get when we get it from Candace Owens, we can always say that we're not racist because that's the way we do things. For coming on. Maybe I'm being too soft, but anybody who can talk, you know, America's woke corporate structure into sending close to $100 million on the basis of that lame rap kind of gets my respect in a way. She has my respect because she's unapologetic in her approach. She's telling you what she is. She's a Marxist. So Marxists steal money from other people and they enrich themselves <laughs> right. until the people that they stole from are poor. And so she has stolen money from other people on the pretext of a lie that is Black Lives Matter. And she's enriched herself yeah. and she's brought four homes. I mean, you have to kind of appreciate the honesty. It's pretty, it's pretty basic. Candace Owens says that black lives don't matter, huh? She's not hiding by any means, you know, and so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you here. She's a communist through and through, and she's been unbelievably unapologetic in her approach. Uh, Al Sharpton must be looking at this and saying, like, I've done this for 40 years. Where did I go wrong? I don't have a house in Topanga Canyon. Right, exactly <laughs> really right. It, it's completely ridiculous. But, and, you know, you're right. The corporations uh, you know, are, are standing I'm behind her. I'm annoyed by this because I, I wanted to get a video segment of them talking about the properties, and unfortunately... I, I didn't have it. I, I'll explain to you why that appears unprepared momentarily, because we're going to get to that in just a minute. Because, boy, did I get taken for a ride today, kids. <laughs> you know, I, um, as you know, I was in prison all through 2020, right? And so, you know, I saw these, like, nightly videos of the riots. And I'm like, I got to get, you know, some video montages of BLM violence from 2020. And of course, you know, I go on YouTube 
and they've got, you know, these sanitized news clips, things like this. Craig was there. The flashbangs are continuing to go off. Uh, tear gas is being used. The protesters are being forced back. This woman who appeared to be injured was carried to safety. Washington's chief of police with a message for any demonstrators who choose violence. To stop. If you, if you were really interested in change, you would stop and let this country move forward. What do you think about all of this? Black people should get the respect that white people do by the cops. The D.C. sweep coming at the same time the president announced he planned to deploy the military. That's pretty funny. Yeah, black people should get the same uh, respect as white people. Well, you know, uh, I'll tell you what. How about you don't run around setting things on fire and assaulting people? We cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob. Black Lives Matter! Earlier Monday, peaceful demonstrators were again out in force, marching through downtown Cincinnati, speaking up in Atlanta, and rallying together on this North Carolina freeway. George Floyd's brother Terrence pleading for peace at the very place he died. Let's do this another way. Let's stop thinking that our voice don't matter That's right. and vote. There you go. In more than 20 states, the National Guard has been called in to help restore order. Nearly 17,000 guardsmen have been deployed. He was innocent. He wasn't doing it. I mean, this makes no sense. In Louisville, following the shooting death yeah, of a local innocent, business yeah. owner during protests, the city's police chief is out this morning after deputies involved in the shooting did not record body camera footage of the incident, violating department policy. This type of institutional failure will not be tolerated. Meanwhile, volunteers nationwide are rolling... Right, so you get the idea of the sanitized crap that I'm finding on YouTube, right? Here's another one. It's a little bit more graphic. Here's some actual looting. They're dragging big screen TVs out of a store. Because that's how you pursue justice, of course. You know, Go to a place that has nothing to do with it. Go into the Best Buy and load your Jeep up with big screen televisions. It's a team sport, you know. I was watching this happen. It was so funny to watch this, you know. I wasn't locked up that long when this happened, you know. And, you know, they're just out there in the broad daylight, and then it's like the evening comes, and they're still looting. And nobody stopped. There's no fear at all. You know, they're so oppressed, but they can get, just run around stealing all day and night with no fear of being prosecuted. We got another TV. Just how many TVs are in this place, you know? And so, that's, one, that's another one. Uh, you get the idea. These are the sanitized clips in any case. And so, as I'm trying to find more graphic footage of these things because I know there has to be some, you know. I find this BitChute channel. It's called Black and White, Black on White Violence Happens a Lot. And I'm like, oh, he's going to have it. He, he'll definitely have it. I'll go scroll down to the beginning of his, or well, I, I didn't know when the BitChute channel began, but I'm like, I'll go scroll down to 2020, and then he'll have the raw, uncut footage of all the BLM violence. 
And apparently the channel doesn't begin until like June of 2020. And there's hundreds of videos on there. Not one of them, <laughs> not one of these videos that I could, uh, let me put it this way. I shouldn't say not one of them. I haven't watched every video on the channel. But nothing stood out to me as like the montage of the worst BLM violence, say. It's just mundane, everyday, normal behavior. Yeah, like this one. And this is not, you know, there's no humans in this video. It's just a, it's just a black child and his dog. And here's what he does to his dog. You're hitting the dog. I'm the boss, nigga. I'm the boss, nigga. He's he's practicing how to treat his girlfriend. <laughs> and his parents are laughing while they film this, of course. And you gonna understand that. To the day you stop. Nigga. I'm the boss, nigga. Know that. Know that. Hey, bro, put the dog down, bro. And of course, there's like holes in the door from where it's been punched. And so, you know, that's not from a BLM riot. It's just, you know, a thing that happened, you know, just a thing that happened. Here's another one where a uh, black guy uh, is playing with a cat. <laughs> He's, he's got his hand out. He's like, hey, kitty. Hey, kitty. Yeah. And then he kicks the cat like it's a fucking football. And all of his friends who are filming it, they think that's that's just fucking hysterical. We'll get to Jesse Smollett. Not that yet. Not yet. Here's another one. So this is not at a BLM riot. This is just a news story about a, a BLM protester putting his knee on the neck of the a white investigating baby. investigating a case of a man apparently putting his knee on a young child's neck. That's interesting. Yeah. Remember how he says that. Man putting his knee on a young child's neck. Photo of the act has been shared all over social media, and we will warn you: some details and images in this story may be disturbing. I know at six, News Center Seven. Sean Cudahy is live in Clark County. Sean, no charges in this case, but deputies do have a man in jail. Now, I'm sorry if some of this is like repetitive to you guys who were free. I didn't have I didn't have the internet when this was happening. You know, I saw the riots. You know, but when I get I go to June of 2020 on this guy's YouTube channel oh, on his BitChute channel, and I'm like. Oh, just violent crime after violent crime after violent crime. <laughs> yes, Cheryl and James, deputies caught up with this guy at this Clark County apartment complex right here. No formal charges right now, but prosecutors are now involved and charges could be on the way. In the disturbing photo shared all over social media, the man is placing his knee on the neck of what appears to be just a toddler who appears. Yeah, so, you know, there's a man, he puts his knee on the neck of a toddler, that's really bad. What you don't see if you're not watching the video, those of you who are listening to the audio, it's a black man with his knee on the neck of a white child, and there's a black man holding 
the the diaper clad child behind his arms behind his back appears to be crying although news center 7 is blurring parts of the image a caption of the now you understand these things you're like oh well you know there's a child involved let's blur the child's face you know if it's if there's any portion of that child's face is visible outside of the black knee that's on his neck then you want to save that child from you know being exposed as a crime victim and that makes a lot of sense the perpetrator's face for some reason has been blurred out too here and you know if i were naive i might have some questions about why that was i'm not naive i know exactly why they're doing it because they're protecting the criminal you see And boy, did that make me mad. And and there's on the, whatever they, you know, their Instagram thing, however they did this, there's text on the image. And it says BLM now. The photo says BLM now. It appears to be some sort of reference to the tactic used by a police officer in Minnesota. Appears to be some sort of, we're not really sure what's going on here. It appears to be all about that racist police officer who murdered that poor man. ha <laughs> ha. No, it's not about that criminal organization that's setting fires and murdering people in the street. No, no, no. It's a reference to that mean old police officer who murdered that poor innocent child. Soda in May that killed George Floyd. You can hear on radio traffic as dispatchers sent deputies out today to check on the child. There was a picture posted on Facebook last night of a baby on the ground and a black male holding the baby down. Oh, somebody Another forgot to beat that out. The, the, baby's neck. the investigation led the Clark County Sheriff's Office to this apartment building on Twitchell Road. A man here taken into custody on a probation violation. Deputies tell me prosecutors are looking to see what they might be able to charge the man with. Yeah, so, you know, he went, he goes, and they kidnap a white child. They restrain his arms behind his back, and they put his their knee on his neck, and then they, they take a photograph, and they promote a terrorist organization. And then they pick him up for a probation violation, and they're like, well, I don't know. What do you think we could charge him with? I don't know. Why don't you just start with assault, take him into custody, and then step it up to attempted murder after that, maybe. I don't know. Can you can you start with assault? Child endangerment, kidnapping? I don't know. Oh, we'll just pick him up on a probation violation because, you know, he's on probation because he's a criminal, you see. <laughs> you know, this is not the first crime he's committed. He does crimes all the time because, you know, because that's what he is. Deputies telling News Center 7, at this point, we are actively looking into it and we are very early on into this investigation. And we are expecting to learn more from deputies tomorrow. I have the name of the man taken into custody with this in connection with this case. He's in the Clark County Jail right now, but we will hold off on releasing his name <laughs> until the point when he might face formal charges. Live in Clark County, Sean Cudahy, News Center. We'll hold off on releasing his name because, you know, we wouldn't want to get that guy in any trouble, of course. Wouldn't want him to have any hassles, you know? Wouldn't want to uh, make that guy's life more difficult than it had to be, you know? Because, you know, chased her down. Just try to make. It's unusual. Talk, you see. And obviously, just, she was oh, her own what's that? She just oh, didn't want to engage. yeah, no, it's just a girl Indeed, walking down da the street, and a guy, a black man, rides his bicycle up alongside her, and it's like, "Hey, white girl, how you doing?" What do you mean you don't want to fuck me? Down, just try to make small Boom, talk, punches her in the face, punches her again, punches her again, takes her down, but you can keeps see on hitting her. That he got more aggressive at the very end. 
Other residents got more aggressive at the very end. You can see that teen took several punches to the face and head before falling to the ground. The culprit grabs cash, we're told, about 30 bucks from her hand and takes off on his bike. The girl's brother desperately tries to console her. There's like but a toddler with her. her you know, there's like a little kid there watching his big sister get beat up and robbed by this fucking animal. It's not, you know, it's not like it's on, you know, these things, they happen, right? I remember this one I saw on TV. You see this one? Where the kids are in the stolen car, the teens, you see. They were teens. And that's the most important demographic information that's provided about them. You know, this was, um, they're, they're just teenagers. That's when you want to figure out the demographics of the people committing the murders, just look for their age. I go. And they're driving a stolen car, and they see this other car on the road, and they're like, yeah, yeah, let's go hit that car. Bitch ass nigga, stop talking shit, bitch. Stop talking shit. Yeah, stop talking shit, or I'll ram you with this stolen car. Fuck But you don't have to talk shit to these guys for them to hit you with their stolen car. There's a man riding a bicycle. And he's just riding his bicycle, and he hasn't said a word to these fucking animals, but... Hit his ass? Hit his ass, they say. (laughs) Yo, that nigga knocked out. They're surprised by this. They're like, I thought it was going to be like in the cartoons. I thought it was just going to be like he's just going to fly up over the car and keep riding. They act surprised. (laughs) We'll save that one a little later. Here's one. There's an elderly woman walking down the street and a young black male walking down the street. And then they meet on the sidewalk. And... Boom. He just reaches out, punches her in the face, and she goes down, and he just keeps on walking. Because white supremacy is the biggest problem that we have in America, according to Joe Biden. Here's a fun one. I posted this one before in another place. Yeah, it's just a white girl, black guy, just beating her up. Just punch her in the face. Now she's on the ground. She's covering up. He just keeps on punching her in the head. You know, that's his idea of a good time, you know? No big deal. We'll just, like, hang out in the window, watch this, film it, because this is what we do in our neighborhood is we beat up white girls, we film it, we laugh, we do nothing. Here's a, here's a white girl on a train and a bunch of black boys, and they just decide to punch her in the face. And again and again, they just they just take turns punching this child. Yeah, yeah. that's what they do. Here's um, here's a fella, guy by the name of Jaden Hayden, beating up a 75 year old man in a retirement home. While he's in his bed. Now, he's an employee of this place. He works there. He's an employee. He's being paid to do this. 
and he starts beating the crap out of this old man while he's laying in bed. I'm not rewinding the video, by the way. This is still going on. He just keeps on doing it. So, this is not a security camera video, okay? He thought it would be a good idea to film himself attacking this guy. And then after he got him off the bed, he picked up the camera and put it in his face. Fuck off my bed, nigga. Fuck off my bed. Fuck off my bed. Hit your ass, nigga. Starts wiping the blood off his face with a sheet like he's helping him out. Get your ass, Nick. Get the fuck off my bed, Nick. Fuck wrong with you. And then he's going to do it again. Yeah. A little more. Why not, you know? Why not? <laughs> Here's a phone. The, the, the news headline on this video is why didn't anyone help? I don't know. I don't know why anyone didn't help. Maybe they don't want to end up like Derek Chauvin. I don't know. The black man starts beating the living crap out of a white woman. His, her toddler is there crying mommy while this happens. He goes over. The toddler kicks the black man. And then the video stops. There's a brutal stabbing on a train. Just a black guy stabbing a couple of white guys, you know. Attacking people with a knife because, you know, it's Tuesday or whatever. That's what he does. He's got his COVID mask. So he's not worried about getting caught on camera. You see, those of you on the fucking video, look at what fucking happened to this guy's fucking hand. You see that fucking shit? Jesus goddamn Christ. I'm sorry. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I apologize. <laughs> there's like a there's like a fucking metro cop is there a black metro cop and he just kind of is like oh well glad that perp is gone <laughs> defund the police indeed yeah oh man here's a here's a white man walking out into a parking lot in the wrong neighborhood 
He's approached by some uh, some urban youth, and they just just haul off and start beating the living shit out of him and just kick his fucking ass all over the place. <clears throat> he doesn't have a goddamn second to react to it, of course. They just run up, beat the living shit out of him, and then they leave. Because that's what they do. They're all like nonchalant about it too. They, they don't even, they're not running away from this crime scene. They're like, all right, let's go do something else now. Wait, who should we beat the shit out of next? Where should we go to commit the next crime? This is in Ireland. So if you think this is limited to America, you're wrong, of course. So here's a, uh, there's an Irish boy on the ground. He's already been beaten unconscious, but they're not done yet. They start stabbing him. Guy, guy, this nigga fucked. Yeah, guy, he got fucked. Oh my they go God. over him with the camera. God. He's already been beaten unconscious. He's laying on the floor, unable to move. His whole face is busted open. They're not done yet. They keep on going in and stabbing him. Man, man. There's a woman yeah, trying to care for him. Guy, you talking? There's a woman gets on top of him to try to protect him. Move, boy, move, boy, no, no, they, no. they pull the woman off. Mad. And then they stab him over and over and over again. Oh my God. pulling the fucking woman off of him. You're shanking this scene. You're shanking this scene. Look at the blood, fam. Look at the blood, fam. Look indeed. And this, I thought, was a really great video. This is really well done. It's a video that the police are going over of an attack that goes on for way too long. <laughs> and uh, they've inserted some commentary by Michelle Obama to sort of accentuate the absurdity of the whole thing. <laughs> Okay, again, this is our victim. And the individual that he's talking to right now is Michael Nichols. Check, Jack. We both felt the sting of those daily slights throughout our entire lives. The victim is unconscious. So they go grab this guy. They knock him out in one punch. And in this... Um, three minute and 26 second video. We are now 33 seconds in. The guy's already unconscious. He's defenseless. This individual, this is Sean Buchanan. During the course of this, a uh, $20 in cash and a cell phone was taken. Well, you know, there's a lot of money. You, know, you can hardly blame him that much money at stake, you know? The folks who crossed the street in fear of their safety, the clerks who kept a close eye on us in all those department stores, the people at formal events who assumed we were the help. 
And those who have questioned our intelligence, our honesty, even our love of this country. And I know that these little indignities are obviously... Yeah, Michelle Obama's really upset about people who question her love of the country, you know? Because when her husband became the president of the United States was the first time that she'd ever been proud of America... But, you know, nobody better question her love of the country. Nothing compared to what folks across the country are dealing with every single day. Those nagging worries that you're going to get stopped or pulled over for absolutely no reason. The road ahead is not going to be easy. It never is, especially for folks like you and me. Because while huh. we've come so far... Life's been hard for the truth Michelle is Obama. Those age-old problems are stubborn. And they haven't fully gone away. And all of that is going to be a heavy burden to carry. It can feel isolating. It can make you feel like your life somehow doesn't matter. That you're like the invisible man that Tuskegee grad Ralph Ellison wrote about all those years ago. And as we've seen over the past few years, those feelings are real. They're rooted in decades of structural challenges that have made too many folks feel frustrated and invisible. For the sake of the audio listener, I just need to point out that like Baltimore and they're beating and this so man unconscious this the whole time she's making these stupid fucking asshole remarks. Kick him on the ground, punch him in the head. That's Michael Nichols that jumps on him. This is the victim's girlfriend and comes out to his aid. And so, just another day in America. It wasn't, it wasn't video of the BLM riots that kept me occupied. <laughs> Although it could have, right? There was plenty of that going on all throughout the year 2020. But, you get those little reminders that's actually not the biggest problem right it's just the normal fucking things that happen every goddamn day day in and day out every fucking goddamn day and uh you know that's not so surprising at the end of the day we've seen that <clears throat> enough obviously but <laughs> i uh <laughs> i just you know, I don't know. I don't know what to fucking say. I, I, I got taken for a fucking ride. My stream went down on fucking Goyam TV. Did it go down here? Is my stream working on Odyssey? I'm being told it went down on Goyam TV. Um, no, I'm still live on Odyssey. Um, am I gone on Goyam TV? Let's see here. Oh, Goyam TV is going to take 10 minutes to refresh the page, so I don't know what to do anymore. I give the fuck up. I, you know, I don't know what to say, guys. <laughs> if the fucking thing ain't working, the fucking thing ain't working. I don't know what to tell you anymore. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Jesse Smollett, you know, he saw the opportunity in this, right? He thought that, like, oh, you know, I mean, Jesse Smollett, the thing happened a long time ago, obviously, before all the before all the uh, 2020 stuff, you know. 
I was still free when he committed that crime. And, uh, and he was convicted and he got sentenced to jail and he was like really upset about that because he doesn't like he he doesn't actually believe none of them do obviously I mean it's none of them actually believe the things that they say they're like oh we're so oppressed if they thought they were if they thought they were being oppressed they'd behave themselves better right they're not they're not lashing out an unjust system they're they're mocking a system that they know can't control them is actually what they're doing and Jesse Small it's a very good example of this anything else that can happen to you from me or any other judge that would be sentencing you in this criminal case you are now a permanently convicted felon your family who loves you and supports you I only want to use the word forgive because forgiveness isn't even necessary. They're with you so much. They're so tight-knit. But you have to live with the fact that you really put them through a ringer. You've embarrassed your valuable friends in high places, the elected public officials, people in the media. You've embarrassed them. You have to live with that. I don't know if those relationships can be repaired. You've become toxic in your own workplace. Your career uh, future is uncertain at very best. It was really on a rocket ship uh, to success, and now you've, you've turned yourself into riches to rags, and it's so unfortunate. Your very name has become an adverb for lying, and I cannot imagine what could be worse than that. I'm trying to consider who you are as a person, how you got here, how somehow you strayed away from your family values, you let that dark, narcissistic, selfish, and arrogant side come out. Oh, he said dark. He's in trouble now. For years on this case, I'm fashioning the following sentence. And here's your sentence. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation. And the probation is going to be to this court. You're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want. You do not have to live in the state of Illinois. You can report by phone. I know that uh, if you're going to try to make a living and do some of the things you do, you may have to go to... Uh, other uh, places, New York and Los Angeles, you can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. No, I would just like to say to your honor that I am I'm not suicidal. I'm not suicidal. If they okay. try to Epstein me. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years. That's exactly what it means. The LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect Yeah, that's exactly what it means. It means that you went on antagonizing the tensions. And making matters worse, which is exactly what we expect you to do. But I did not do this. Yeah, you did. And I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. How many times do you think he practiced that fucking charade in the mirror? And you must all know that. And he doesn't even know how fucking bad he looks. He thinks that he looks great right now. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time... I am not suicidal. Okay. Mr. Uche, let me inquire. Are there any post-sentencing motions you care to present? Court is adjourned. I am not suicidal. Stop laughing about our I am not suicidal. And I am innocent. 
I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. Yeah, you could have. But instead, you decided to play this Hello, stupid I'm Mark Brown. fucking Get more asshole great game ABC7 and make a fucking ass out of yourself and every stupid fuck who supported you. Because you are among the many who believe that there's just no touching you, right? Like, you're like, I, you know, obviously what I'm doing is a crime, but, you know, I'm not part of that whole thing. I'm not part of the you commit a crime, you go to jail thing. I'm completely separate from that entire fucking apparatus. And I thought this was pretty funny. I'm not going to play this whole thing, but they had an interview with the... <laughs> With the fucking brothers who set this fucking thing up for him. Yeah, we did. We were the ones that did it. Yeah. It was us. Extra with an exclusive first look at Jussie Smollett's Anatomy of a Hoax. It was a crazy scene that Jussie put on. He even said, I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I've been accused of. I'm like, dang, you ain't your mother's son, buddy. <laughs> better get that birth certificate. <laughs> right. And a new interview with Bola and Ola Osendaro's attorney, Gloria Rodriguez. Why did they agree to carry out this attack for Jesse in the first place? Jesse was their friend, <laughs> and they didn't want to betray their friend. Because they're a couple of criminal fucking niggers, and that's what they do. They're like, oh, I get to go beat people up for money, and I don't even have to, like... They don't even, I'm not even going to fight somebody who's fighting back. It's just going to be some fucking nigger faggot who's going to be like, oh, MAGA country, nigga. And so at the end of the day, it was their trust that was taken advantage of. Oh, yeah, they were taken advantage of. If we do this for him, he could probably help us out with our careers. Jesse was someone who could really help their career. And beyond that, he was their friend. The documentary goes into great lengths about their feelings and how they felt when Jesse asked them to beat him up. Hitting Fox Nation March 13th, the series goes into timeline detail about the attack and how Jesse choreographed the whole thing like a script that he was directing. <laughs> the brothers take us back to the scene. This is where we waited for Jesse to come before we attacked them. After I threw him to the ground, I used my knuckle and gave him a noogie to give him a mark to make it look real. That's where I came around with the bleach, the infamous bleach in the hot sauce bottle. Okay. That scene in the house, I don't know if you guys watched that video, I'm sure you have, where he's like, he's got the rope around his neck when the cops come in. And he's like, yeah, they tied this rope around my neck. I figured I'd leave it there, you know, because I didn't want to, like, disturb the evidence. <laughs> I'm so persecuted that I have no idea how ridiculous this looks, you know? The original plan Jussie had was for one of the brothers to douse him with gasoline. And then I believe it was Ola who said, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'll do bleach instead. Why the stipulation? Why is one better than the other? That's something um, that they also go into in the documentary. But their ultimate decision to participate in this is very contradictory to who they are as individuals. They would never, ever be involved in a hate crime like that. What tips me off to the narcissism is when he's looking at Robin Robertson, he says, And I want a little gay boy who might watch this to see that I'm uh -huh. back. I mean, yeah, what delusions back. of grandeur, right? I mean, he is creating this entire fantasy where he is the hero in it. 
the fifth episode of the documentary takes a deep dive into that very issue, Billy, and it's it's like cringeworthy. When he first had told me about it, I was the only one in the car with him. I didn't know what to feel. I was flustered. I was like, wait, damn, am I gonna, is this doing the right thing if I agree to it? That's doing a friend. Yeah, a he's solid. really he's it's really concerned about doing the right thing. Here's the funny thing about that whole bit, right? Like, you know, and I'm fine, you know, I get it. Okay, the whole criminal justice system is turn this one against that one. You've got to get Smollett fine. Do whatever you have to do. The idea that these guys were like, even on Fox News, right? Like I watched the Fox, uh, the Fox Nation thing with them. And it's like they're treated as if they're victims in this. <laughs> they're co-conspirators. They're violent criminal co-conspirators who then fled the country afterwards. And here they are on extra, like with the lawyer, like, oh, they got taken advantage of. You know, they would, they, you know, they would never do something like this. No, you know, they're, we're they're nice guys just trying to help his friends. You know. It's just amazing. And so, what else we got here? Now, uh, not all modern black history is violent or criminal, of course. Some of it is downright comical. Take, for example, um, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. Corinne Jean-Pierre, KJP, as she's affectionately known. Uh, she has many firsts, she likes to remind us all the time. And that's what she does whenever she gets jammed up. She's like, well, you know, don't you understand how good diversity is? I understand that Joe Biden just started a war, but I'm the first lesbian, you know, uh, black uh, immigrant, uh, you know, <laughs> Whatever the hell, you know, whatever the fucking goddamn list of nonsense that she rattles off, right? You know, and she's also a complete idiot and embarrassed at a country, embarrassment to the country. And there's nothing, you know, particularly new about that. We've had a few of those over the years, but, you know, she's kind of unique in that regard. <laughs> and I remember this one when I was still in prison. I remember seeing this as it happened. And it was really just, it just so perfectly captured her fucking shallowness you know this was right after the fucking Nord Stream pipeline got blown up and she uh she messes up the name of it with uh, the new prime minister of the United Kingdom uh, will he discuss the um, Northern Ireland arrangements is there um, an expectation that he'll call on the prime minister to delay implementation of the protocol bill that she has supported that would allow the United Kingdom to override the provisions of the agreement between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Um, where, how's that going to come? So I'm not going to get ahead or speak to uh, what the president uh, might say or will say on the call. I'll say this, that we'll have a readout uh, after the call uh, later this afternoon. But he has been clear about his continued interest in Northern Ireland. Uh, our priority remains protecting the gains of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement and preserving peace, stability, and prosperity for the people of Northern Ireland. Again, I'm not just, I'm not going to get ahead of what the president will or won't say. Okay, and the 
Pace obviously going through some serious um, uh, economic concerns. They have um, a, an energy crisis that's that's going on. Um, is there any room for aid, assistance, or more to be done in terms of supporting them on uh, lowering energy costs uh, domestically? So you've heard us say this, that what, what we see Russia's doing, and we've been very clear about this, is that they're using energy, they're weaponizing energy, and it's choosing to, to one of the things that uh, has been out there, the shut down the pipeline of Nordstrom 1. Uh, so the sanctions Nord we've imposed, One. we believe. I'm sorry, it wasn't the bombing of the pipeline. It was Russia had some maintenance work to do on Nord Stream 1, and Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, dutifully notes that Nordstrom's is closed. <laughs> you know, the department store. <laughs> because she's Corrine Jean-Pierre and she's the first. We do stand in the way of the pipeline to continuing uh, operating. So the U.S. and Europe have been collaborating to ensure sufficient supplies are available. As a result of these efforts, European gas shortages will be full. Uh, by the critical winter heating season. So we have more work to do. Uh, but again, uh, we're working closely with our allies on this. Yeah. And, and when the Nordstrom pipeline um, was shut down, Karine Jean-Pierre, where did you go to buy underwear for your girlfriend? You know. uh, we'll play. This is like 17 minutes. I'm not going to play the whole thing. There's a bunch of clips here from her making gaffes and like battling with uh, Peter Ducey is kind of a good gag. Tomorrow we're checking in and we'll have that conversation for sure. I'm sure we'll bring it up Karine, until we have that conversation. Karine, why do you keep doing this? Say that you call on people you've never called on. You don't really call I just, I just called on someone. Go ahead. Karine, you have the last question. Karine, you have the last question. You said it was up to the by the way, you're hearing some audio clipping here. That is not my audio. That's the that's the YouTube video. The court to decide. Yeah. And my understanding is not really up to the court to decide. It's up to him to decide. So the question is. Can well, no. I think the question that I got was, the, do we think uh, the, the Clarence Thomas should recuse himself? Is that the question yeah, that you're so asking? But, but I, he's in the position of deciding whether he ought to recuse well, himself. Well, then it's up to him. I'm just saying that I'm not going to comment from here. Uh, really, was what. I, that's that's not for that's not for me to decide. And just last one on MBS. Uh, I mean, is it the White House policy to not publicly identify MBS as being responsible for authorizing the killing of Khashoggi? What I what I'm saying to you is that we take the take the killing very seriously. Uh, we put out a report. I, I just laid out what the Khashoggi ban uh, actually did, just to be more the visa and what what specifically uh, the ban did, and also how we we've enacted it. Um, and you know this is something that we take very very seriously. That's why I released the report. You have heard the press from the president directly speak about uh, the killing of Khashoggi. The president is does not shy away of having having conversations uh, about human rights with leaders. He's had them many times before, and he will continue to do that. Uh, and, you know, and uh, and this is, uh, again, this is something that we take very, very seriously. And, you know, whatever. I'm not going to play any of this. This is, you know, it's just her acting like a fucking idiot. And if you want to pay any attention to the news, this is no shock to you. She's a moron. Like, she's a top-class, like, top-notch idiot, you know. And... She's an advertisement against affirmative action, but it's not received that way by the uh, by the press. Um, uh, Libertariat sends fourteen thirty three, and one of the better comments to come across the uh, Odyssey channel. I will never forgive the feds for depriving us of radical agenda during the summer of twenty twenty. 
Thank you very much. Um, that was amongst the greatest crimes ever committed. I told you, you know, they arrested me. They took me off to jail and the whole world fell apart. Now it was a predictable consequence. You know, Glenn 19 says um, he sends a dollar. Are you excited for those Palestinian refugees that are going to be coming to Europe and the rest of the Zog controlled world? After Israel is done with Gaza, they are going to start expelling those in the West Bank to join them. Well, you know, um, I'm thinking that, uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not particularly enthusiastic about them going anywhere, you know. Uh, if the Jews want to go kill all the fucking Palestinians, you know, just kill them. You know, like, you know, uh, I'm not saying that I want the Jews to go kill the Palestinians. You know, I just assume the Palestinians go kill the Jews. But, you know. Uh, if you're going to go in and commit a fucking genocide, go in and fucking do it, you know. Did you learn anything from Adolf Hitler? Like, not killing all of you led to a huge fucking mess. Like, go learn from history, you stupid kikes. You know, you're going to go fucking go and, like, let... You're going to go and chase these people out of their homeland, and then you're going to let them live? Come on. You know, it's not a good idea. You got to kill them all. And so, you know, there's that. And, uh... Then there's Kamala Harris, of course. She qualifies, you know, she hardly qualifies, but she lived her whole life as Southeast Asian or whatever the fucking stupid thing she said. But, you know, now she's black because she wanted to be uh, president of the United States. And uh, so on account of that, she joins the roster of black embarrassments because she is at least as dumb as any of them with her fondness for Venn diagrams and yellow school buses, outer space and racial tension. She serves well as a life insurance policy to the president since no assassin would dare risk his life and freedom to put her at the helm. <laughs> Here's a fun one from Kamala Harris. There's plenty of them, of course, but I found this one kind of amusing. You know, they say a gaffe is when a pop politician tells the truth you know think about the impact on something like public health when we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population yeah when we reduce population our, with our green energy agenda let's let's do that one more again reduce population yeah more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water yeah Great. When we have fewer children breathing the air and drinking the water than, you know, the children who are left over, the ones that we're raping, uh, our sex objects, you know, we can we can give them bottled water because because of that, you know. And that's really important to Kamala Harris because she really cares about the environment. This one, to see the moment in time in which we exist. During Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history. The significance of the passage of time. <laughs> right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist. During yes, exactly. It's time for us to do... What we have been doing in that time is every day, and we in the moment in time, yada, 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 yada. Don Lemon dutifully mocked the people dumb enough to watch him on CNN for years before going home each night to his gay white lover and one imagines playing Massa Slave Girl with him before bed. I don't have any videos of that, sadly, but you get the idea. 
And we talked on here not so long ago about a fellow by the name of Cornell West. You might remember Cornell West. He was down there in Charlottesville stirring up the riots. He's, he likes riots. He's one of them. And uh, the last time we talked about Cornell West, he was uh, he owed a bunch of money and he doesn't pay his child support. And he's, you know, he's a millionaire. He's got lots of money. But then he spends it all on broads, right? He's got, he's, he can't keep his dick in his pants is kind of the problem. And, you know, I got all the sympathy in the world for that. But, you know, pay these fucking, you know, either put a fucking condom on or, you know, ask them if they're on birth control or whatever you got to do, guy. But they don't do that. You know, that's not that's not really that's not popular in that community. They just run around making babies and they're like, what do you mean? I got to pay for this shit. What do you what? What the fuck do you think I vote Democrat for? The whole fucking point of me voting Democrat, the whole reason that I'm trying to tear this country down is so that other people pay for my shit. Right. And so, you know, but that's a dead horse. We're not going to beat it. Here's a story about how he beat up his fucking third grade teacher ways. At the same time, I was full of rage. I had a Robin Hood mentality. Yeah, that I. Yeah, he had a Robin Hood mentality. No, he he wasn't a violent criminal. No, he wasn't a violent piece of shit like all the other fucking animals that we watched on these fucking videos tonight. No, 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 no. He had a Robin Hood mentality. Tended to coerce people and take their money to make sure that people who had no money had something because he coerced people and took their money to make sure that somebody who had nothing had something, namely himself, of course, you know. He was not running around, taking out the sheriff of Nottingham, and then going and giving the taxes back to the people. No, he was running around coercing people, taking their money, so that people, him, who had nothing, had something. And he tries to paint that as virtuous, even as he goes to this routine. Because I couldn't stand to see the weak used and abused. Um, so what are you're talking about the weak used and abused i think that when you're running around violently coercing people they're probably not stronger than you is my guess he doesn't come off to me actually like a fucking tough guy i don't think he's aiming upwards in this right no he's running around attacking people in the street and stealing their money and I was wrong to be coercive in that way. But I needed to find a positive channel. for. Yeah, I was wrong to be coercive in that way, but I needed to find a positive channel because I was a violent criminal and I was going to steal. So I had to try to make it sound virtuous. On my rage, I beat up my teacher when I was in third grade, refused to salute the flag. Why? I had a great uncle who was lynched. And they wrapped his body with the U.S. flag as he hung from the tree in Jim Crow, Texas. Was in my mind at eight years old, so I refused to look the flag. Mrs. Yee, lovely teacher that she was, slapped me. I had a Joe Frazier counterpunch, hit her. The principal jumped on me. A female teacher told him to support this, salute the flag. Go stand up. We're about to do the pledge, child. You're supposed to follow the rules of the school and do what all your classmates are doing. And he's like, listen, woman. I've been raised with a bunch of anti-white propaganda in my head, so I'm going to use violence against you now. Me, my brother, his partner jumped on the principal. A riot was on. Yeah, we were rioting in third grade, and I just kept on doing this into my 60s. Get kicked out of school. No school would take me. Uh, my mother was kind enough to have me take an IQ test. I got about 160-something. And he said, this little Negro has some potential. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear mama made me take an IQ test. I got like, I don't know, 160 or something. 
I don't really remember what the score was. Just somewhere in that 160 range. <laughs> the, the exact number escapes me at the moment, but, you know, they said this little child has some brains. They sent me over to another school across, across the way. So I went from the chocolate side of town to the vanilla side of town. Yeah. Earl Warren Elementary. No, they didn't do that because you scored 160 on an IQ test. They did this to punish the vanilla side of town. School had a wonderful time. Two white sisters who were magnificent, Nona Saul and Cecilia Angel. Uh, uh. That's right. So he was like having all this trouble over at the black school, and then they sent him to the white school. And then he had a great time. Everything was great over at the white school. Help me channel my rage. It had nothing, so to, do, I'm still had nothing of, to do with the fact that the people in the school were white. It had to do with the fact that there's white privilege, you see. It had to do with the fact that those those people are just treated so much better than us. You know, it doesn't matter that I'm in a school where people assault the teacher and then the principal jumps in and then there's a riot on, and, you know, and that's normal in my class because of the people that are in it. No, no, no. Raised, but now it's a righteous indignation at injustice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not the kind of gangster orientation that's full of revenge and bitterness. And As a matter of fact, it is. That's exactly what it is. You're still doing the same thing that you were doing when you were running around assaulting people in the street and beating up your teachers and coercing people out of money. You just figured out, not as a result of 160 IQ for fucking sure, a more efficient way of stealing. And you use it the same way that you were using it when you were running around the fucking hood attacking your teachers so that you can stick your fucking dick in every stupid bitch dumb enough to fucking let you. So forth. That had something to do with the power of love, my, my Christian faith, which I hold on yeah. to. Your Christian to faith. unto death, but it's self-style. Yeah, taught me, taught me this more efficient way to steal. Those two, Samuel Beckett, who are two of the great lapsed Christians, two of the great agnostics, probably two of the greatest writers of the 20th century, actually. Chekhov and Beckett. Can't live without them. Kafka would be the other uh, for me. Another agnostic in that sense. Full of love, though. Gregor Samson in the Metamorphosis. Yeah, so, you know, then there's that. Just running around, beating people up, coercing them, taking their money. And then I attacked my teacher and they sent me to a better school. At which point I started banging white girls. And I was like, whoa, this shit is expensive, dog. I better find a more efficient way to steal. And then somebody introduced me to the Democrat Party. You know. <laughs> I wonder what 160 IQ gave him all of these ideas. And what they think they're going to do about the consequences of their behavior. We are a very hard-necked people. We don't listen. It's time to run away. This is a, uh, a rabbi, you might have gathered. And uh, he's uh, warning the Jewish people about the consequences of their behavior. From New York City. It's only going to get worse. Innocent blood has awakened. And it's not going to stop. If it's not going to be COVID-19, it's going to be BLM. If it's not going to be BLM, it's going to be BLS. And if it's not going to be BLS, it's going to be ALS. And if it's not going to be ALS, it's going to be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. We have many letters till we can get to Z. Let's use the T word, Taizai. Run from a place that is destined for darkness. And that includes Brooklyn, any place 
ruled under liberal Democrats stands for justice and it's gonna burn like an inferno. I speak to my Jewish people, run for the hills. Run while you can, run to save your life, to spare your life because the window is tightening. The window is closing. If you could run away from New York, do it today. It's not going to get better before it gets much worse. And so go run to some other place and do this again and again and again and again so that you can destroy the whole world in enough time. Because why not, you know? <laughs> Uh, and of course, you know, we couldn't possibly forget about Maxine Waters. She's the U.S. representative for California's 43rd Congressional District since 1991. She's been in there a while, you know. She routinely makes a fool of herself when any, whenever any news organization is so contemptuous of its viewership as to put a camera in front of her face. From Trump-Russia collusion hoaxes to inciting riots and arson, Representative Waters is a shining example of why people once had the good sense not to let these folks vote. And here's just one of those examples. We can't protect anybody. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. Hey, you push back on them. You put your hands on those people. The people are going to turn on them. They're going to protest. They're going to uh, absolutely harass them until they decide that they're going to tell the president, no, I can't hang with you. Our issue is strong borders, no crime. Their issue is open borders. Let MS-13 all over our country. That's what's going to happen if yeah, you listen to them. That's all they want, you know, just to open up the borders and destroy everything. And, uh, you know, we'll just we'll, we'll talk about that and sort of negotiate the situation, sort of, you know. <laughs> Ugh. Really frustrating, yeah. Oh, I should have played this earlier. So, you know, the the Jesse Smollett, the hate crime hoax thing. These things happen often enough, obviously. And uh, you might remember, you know, they kept on amplifying this narrative that because of Donald Trump, it's all Donald Trump's, it, you know, it goes without saying it's all Trump's fault. Uh, because of Donald Trump, uh, there were all these anti-Semitic hate crimes going on. And then, you know, it's difficult to find these on YouTube, of course, because YouTube's a bunch of fucking criminals and they're hiding evidence. But um, here's one example of many where these uh, these anti-Semitic hate crimes, it turned out not to be committed by white supremacists. This was a department wide effort. Hopefully life will resume back to normal and people will be able to worship without fear. Police say the investigation is ongoing so far. They have not revealed a motive. <laughs> not, in not, Riverdale. He's sorry. also suspected of damaging car windows. He was arrested this morning. I'm sorry, I should have fucking started. Police have arrested the man they say vandalized four synagogues in the Bronx. 29-year-old Jordan Burnett. Yeah, so when you're here, like, the four synagogues in the Bronx were, were, you know, 
vandalized. And you're like, oh, well, where's my buddy? Where's that Nazi? No, 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 no. It's this guy. He's the one who's been throwing rocks to the synagogue windows. I don't know why. You know, those Jews have been so good to him. <laughs> but uh, he's uh, he's definitely not. I mean, I, I, I have no idea if he downloads a TRS podcast or whatever, but he's definitely not going to pool parties, say. <laughs> Something tells me this guy's not going to be a keynote speaker at an NJP meeting anytime soon. <laughs> so, you know, these things, they happen. Or they don't, you know, it's all fake. They all make it up. So, 217-688-1433, you like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to, so please give us a call. If you've been hit, if you've been on hold and I didn't get to you, I'm sorry. Go ahead, give us a call back. I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely take you on. And uh, let's see. But I got a great story here. After all of that shit, it's just fucking hilarious. Had a good laugh this afternoon getting ready for the show today. <laughs> I could barely believe what I was reading. The piece of the New York Times uh, republished at denews.com, D-N-Y-U-Z, uh, blacks it, tired of racism, black Americans, try life in Africa. And you can imagine, it just goes fucking swimmingly for them because now they're in the homeland and they don't have all these white people ruining everything. <laughs> But no, 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 no. That's not what happened. <laughs> Jessica Washington, <laughs> Jessica, J-E-S apostrophe K-A. Jessica. Jessica Washington lives in a six-bedroom house on a hill with avocado trees and a spectacular view not far from the rabbit farm she runs. For less than $50,000, so Shoshana... Kuria Zaraba and her husband built a four-bedroom, two-bedroom house on a family farmland with goats, turkeys, and about a 1,000 chickens. Mark and Marlene Bradley now call themselves Islanders and the owners of three homes cooled by ocean breezes. All of them are black Americans who found their new homes in Africa. They are enjoying the substantially lower cost of living and, more importantly, they said, the absence of the racism and discrimination they experienced in the United States. The COVID pandemic and the racial reckoning in the wake of the murder of George Floyd led some black Americans to seek a different way of life abroad in a movement that some are calling Blacksit. Those moving to Africa are also looking for an ancestral connection. Their migration is less about money and more about acceptance, a path that many intellectuals and artists have taken before. I know about uh, one of those intellectuals. His name was George Lincoln Rockwell, swell guy. They should, those people should read George Lincoln Rockwell, I'm thinking. <laughs> Today, a new life in Africa is open to people of varied professions who can work remotely. Yes, that's right. They, you know, they're like, COVID's terrible. Now I'm going to work remotely from Africa. Immigration has been fueled by vocal proponents on social media and by government programs like Sierra Leone's Path to Citizenship and Ghana's Beyond the Return campaign. According to the Diaspora Affairs Office of Ghana, at least 1,500 African-Americans moved to the country between 2019 and 2023. 
despite the potential concerns for homeowners, including a wave of extreme anti-LGBTQ policies across the continent, black Americans are still making the trip. And of course, you as a radical agenda listener, you know, is because the blacks don't give a fuck about those faggots. They're like, yeah, well, you know, my son's gay, then sure, beat the shit out of him. Saw what happened to my fucking neighbor. Let his kid be a fucking tranny. And Jesus Christ, I don't want that happening. I don't want to put up with that shit. I'll just make another one. (laughs) Miss Washington, 46 of Houston, relocated to Rwanda in 2020. Miss Curia Zaraba, 40, moved to Uganda from Texas in 2021. The Bradleys, who are in their 60s, settled in Zanzibar in 2022. Interesting how Joe Biden got elected and they were like, we better get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Joe Biden's president. I'm going back to Africa. You fucking white people are out of your goddamn minds electing that idiot. (laughs) Ashley Cleveland, 39 years old, a mother of two, runs a company that helps foreigners invest in and grow their businesses in Africa, relocated from Atlanta to Dar el Salaam, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania in 2020 and is now based in South Africa. She said she appreciates that in much of Africa, race is an abstract concept, unlike in America. (sighs) Seeing black African people on the money on the billboards, you immediately eliminate your blackness. Oh, well, that sounds like a good idea. Can we eliminate some blackness over here? She welcomed this change for her children, who were 9 and 2 when they left the United States. Her older daughter, whose skin tone is deep brown, was no longer bullied because of her complexion. I'm sure that was happening all the time, you know. Probably the darker kids at school were like, hey, what you probably have some white blood in you. We're going to take your money. The Exodus Club has been helping people in the African diaspora move to the continent since 2017. R.J. Mahdi, 38 years old, a consultant for the group, moved from Ohio to Senegal 10 years ago. Mr. Mahdi said he had seen an increase in the number of black Americans relocating to Africa in the past several years. There are 10 times as many coming now as there were five or six years ago, he said, you know, back during the Trump administration. <laughs> Ten times as many now as there were when Trump was president because, you know, that racist Nazi motherfucker, you know. <laughs> it's amazing. By his estimate, demand for the Exodus Club's services has grown at least 20% every year since its founding when it had about 30 clients. Becoming a repat felt empowering to Mr. Mahdi as a black Muslim, he said. In the United States, about 14% of the population is black and just 2% of black Americans are Muslim. In Senegal, however, nearly everyone is black and Muslim because if you're not, they'll chop your fucking head off and fucking feed it to the goats. (laughs) The, the, The chop your fucking head off, feed it to the goats thing is not published in the New York Times. I should clarify. For more reasons than one, we're at home. Miss. Mrs. Curia Zaraba, who is Jewish, oh, that's interesting, imagine that, said that when she moved to Uganda to join her husband, Israel Curia, she went from being a minority with a minority to being surrounded by those who share her race and faith. Mrs. Curia Zaraba, who worked for a commercial real estate company in Texas, now runs Tikva Chadasha Foundation, a nonprofit supporting Ugandan women and disabled children. She and her husband live in Mabal, a small city that is home to the Abayudaya Jewish Committee. 
Abiyadaya Jewish community, which has around 2,000 members. In the United States, Mrs. Curio Saraba said her identity came with qualifications. Other black people tried to qualify my blackness because I'm Jewish, and other Jews tried to qualify my Judaism because I'm black. Imagine that. You show up to synagogue, and they're like, what are you niggers doing here? <laughs> you are definitely not born to a Jewish mother. We can tell because you're black. We don't fuck niggers around here. We know better. <laughs> In Uganda, she no longer faces a thousand cuts of racism, she said. For years, she made accommodations, big and small, to try to control other people's perceptions, smiling to appear non-threatening, buying nicer clothes to avoid being mistaken for a domestic worker, and straightening her hair to be seen as more professional. She knew she had been acquiescing, but she said, I didn't know the extent until I didn't have to do any of that. Now I just walk around with a mean mug on my face, telling those stupid African servants of mine to clean my fucking clothes. <laughs> Miss Curio's Rob also went from a one-bedroom apartment in the States to a two-acre family compound in Uganda. Her home is a stone's throw from the homes of her parents-in-law and her sister-in-law and the large chicken coop. Her in-laws helped her husband build the house. It's just so nice having all of this additional family support, she said. Africa is not a refuge for all, though. Anti-LGBTQP sentiment is sweeping across the continent. In the uh, New York Times piece, I should note, they stop at Q. Uh, here on the Radical Agenda, we try to be forthcoming with the listener, and so we add the P at the end to note that they're a bunch of pedophiles. Anti-LGBTQP sentiment is sweeping across the continent. In Uganda, the Anti-Homosexuality Act, enacted last year, punishes gay sex with life imprisonment and in some cases death because white supremacy is responsible for homophobia, don't you know? That's not in the New York Times piece either. I just want to let you know that that's obviously true. We hear it all the time in America. Similar bills have been introduced in other African countries, such as Ghana and Kenya. Some LGBTQP people interviewed countered that the united states is no safe haven either you know sure they'll kill you and send you to prison for the rest of your life but in you know in america <clears throat> you might have to use the bathroom that matches your genitals and we don't want to put up with that anymore we're fucking done we're going to go to uganda where they'll just cut our genitals off they have pointed to violence against transgender people, which, uh, you know, the New York Times, they don't point this out, but I might let you know. It's important for you to understand that almost all of the transgender murders are almost all committed by black people. I used to run a site called Blacks Hate Fags, and it was pretty fucking funny because every single time I got a news alert about some tranny ending up dead, they would be like, oh, yeah, this white cis heteropatriarchy is a bunch of white supremacy. And then like, like, like two weeks later, you, get a, you find out who the perp is. And it's like, yeah, Darnell Jones murdered this fucking tranny because he was getting DL blowjobs and was afraid the nigga was going to rat. <laughs> a growing number of anti- LGBTQP bills and the human rights campaign's declaration of a state of emergency for LGBTQP Americans. These interviewees said that depending on what a person was looking for and with discernment, Africa could still be a good option for LGBTQP people. Davis McAyala, 52, an LGBTQP rights activist and the executive director of the Interfaith Diversity Network of West Africa, suggested that instead of deterring immigration, the grim trends could drive it. If our African brothers and sisters are coming, knowing the challenge and want to join us in the struggle, 
<laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to leave the United States. I'm going to go to Africa, and I'm going to become a queer activist because, you know, I just can't resist rioting in the streets. I've got to find something to complain about. Justice International volunteers headed to Ukraine to offer support. He imagined black Americans might feel called to help in the fight for LGBTQ equality. But many people make the transatlantic, pun intended. <laughs> they didn't say that in New York Times. I'm kidding. Many people make the transatlantic, <laughs> pun intended, exodus to stop fighting. They, they're like, I'm done with this shit. I've been whining in America for fucking decades. I'm going to go there. I'm going to sit on the fucking beach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have me an African servant. We're going to get right back to the fucking black-on-black -black slavery that started this whole fucking mess in the first place. <laughs> they didn't say that in the New York Times. I'm just saying. Mr. Bradley, 63, who moved with his wife Marlene, 69, from Los Angeles to Rwanda in 2021 before settling in Zanzibar, said that arriving in Kigali felt like a load off my shoulders. Mr. Bradley, who noted that he and two of his four sons had experienced fraught encounters with the police in the United States, said he would never forget the lighthearted feeling he had when approaching an armed officer in Kigali to ask for directions. The officer greeted him with a smile. Mrs. Bradley also felt relieved and safer in Africa. You don't feel like you're looking over your shoulders, she said. The Bradleys, who have a retirement visas and live on retirement income, now reside in a newly developed planned community on the island of Zanzibar, about two hours by ferry from Dar es Salaam. Most residents of their development were not born in the country. The community's homes raised in price from $70,000 for a 430-square-foot one-bedroom to $750,000 for a 3,000-square-foot oceanfront villa. With the money the Bradleys would have spent on one home in Los Angeles, they were able to buy their three-bedroom, two-bath townhouse, an investment property, and a home for two of their sons to eventually live in. Miss Washington is in awe of her new life in Rwanda. She works online as a teacher with students in South Carolina and has an agricultural visa that allows her to run a rabbit farm near her home outside Kigali. And so, you know, that's one of the, those big benefits of COVID-19, you know. Oh, you know, I think that I'll just work from home permanently. And then you know what I'll do? I'll go make my home in another country. And I'll keep on having the taxpayers of South Carolina pay for me while I go and enslave my fellow blacks in Africa. She shares her six-bedroom house with her 76-year-old mother, quote, I just never thought a single woman with a teaching salary would be able to live in a space like this, she said. Her home on an acre of land with avocado trees cost 500 a month and required an initial six-month payment. Stipulations for upfront rental payments of several months, a year, or even longer are common. The move has given Miss Washington more room physically and emotionally. One of the things I wanted to get away from for just a little while was being a black woman, she said. The expectation that she be strong, because in America, black women are supposed to be strong, don't you know? Exhausted her. I just wanted space to be me. While in the United States, $500 monthly rent may seem cheap. In Rwanda, it is a significant amount. In some cases, the large wealth gap between American immigrants and most Africans leads to friction. 
But in other cases, locals embrace the infusion of cash. Many governments court the diaspora for exactly this purpose. Justin Nagoga, 39, founder of Impact Route, a company in Kigali that offers relocation services, said there is little tension between expatriates like Miss Washington and locals, unlike Portugal and Ghana, where an influx of foreigners drove up costs. It's called gentrification, don't you know? We don't call it that when they do it, you know, when black people do it in Africa, but over here it's called gentrification. It's a hate crime. <laughs> Rwanda does not have enough newcomers to produce such a negative economic impact, Mr. Nagoga said. That's right, because rising prices are always bad. It's, you know, it's not an indication that things are improving. We are still, I think, at the stage where we need more people to come, he said. We need people to come and do active retirement here. We need investors. We need talents. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we just go and you know, pull a boat up to the southern border and be like, hey, guys, those guys in Kigali, they need, uh, they need more people. Rashad McCrory, 44, acknowledged that he left his humble beginnings in the Polo Ground Towers, an upper Manhattan public housing complex far behind when he relocated from Harlem to Ghana in 2020. Here we rich, said Mr. McCrory, who published a guidebook for people moving to Africa. He said he tries to give back. He started a scholarship fund and, fund and built a soccer field for neighboring children. Standing on his balcony in Elmina, Ghana, Mr. McCrory recalled the injustices that he experienced in New York and spurred him to leave. Top of mind were the frequent stop and frisks, he said, which felt like the police groping and violating him and sometimes left him in tears. Yeah, please don't take my weed. I'd rather have the moral dilemma of being in a higher class in the system of classism rather than being marginalized in the system of oppression and racism. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know... I don't like being at the bottom of the ladder. I want to move somewhere where I can be at the top of it, you see? I don't know why everybody else feels exactly the same way. They must be racist. Some black Americans who moved to Africa never get the re resolution they sought, sadly. Adwoa Yeboa Asentawa Davis, 52, a therapist who moved from Washington, D.C. to Accra, Ghana in 2020 said that black Americans considering the move to escape racism should try therapy first. Oh, you don't say. Maybe some medication while you're on it. Uh, because the trauma of years of discrimination will not disappear with the change of setting and may even resurface when they are foreigners in Africa. You're coming here and you're expecting that everybody's black, so I'm going to be okay, Ms. Davis said. But then you get there and you're being othered, viewed as different and separate. The othering goes both ways. Some Ghanaians feel discrimination from black Americans, said Ikua Utu, 36, a Ghanaian in Accra. Black American communities, there can be insular, she said. And their businesses often prefer to hire black Americans or Indians and Lebanese for senior positions, while qualified Ghanaians are excluded or underpaid. If you're leaving the U.S. to come to Ghana thinking about, I'm coming to the motherland, at least treat us right, Miss Utu said. Isn't that something? They uh, flee the United States and uh, take whatever money they were able to make here because they, while they were being so badly oppressed, of course. And uh, then they start a business over there in Ghana. And they're like, wait a second. These people are fucking retards. They weren't raped by their slave masters 400 years ago, and they don't have no white DNA. They can't think. I got an idea. 
I'm going to hire Indians and Lebanese people to run my business for me because I'm fucked if I'm going to go to work. <laughs> what the fuck was the point of coming here? <laughs> and then there's the exodus back to the United States. He almost goes without saying. Despite big plans for new homes and businesses, many black Americans who move to, to, who move to Africa do not stay, shockingly enough. Omosede Oeholo, whatever the fuck your fucking asshole name is. I bet your fucking parents didn't name you that. You're like, I got to go take some fucking African name, go to Africa. <laughs> you get to Africa, they're like, what the fuck? I'm not, I can't even pronounce that. Shut up. Your name's John. Idiot. Shut up. 31, moved to Accra in 2015 after becoming enamored of the city while studying abroad there. But she decided to leave in 2020. Oh, we were talking about a woman. See, I couldn't even tell. Your name is Jane. Fuck John. Go ahead, John. Go fuck her. Uh, But she decided to leave in 2020 because she felt she was missing out on life back home in New York and the big events of family and friends. And she began to feel that the daily stresses around frequent power outages and cultural differences were changing her for the worse, making her quick to anger. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I thought that I was gonna go to uh, I thought I was gonna go to Africa, and then you know they wouldn't be calling me an angry black woman. But then I was like, oh, the power's out all the fucking time. They're like, shut the fuck up, and you're like, what, bitch? <laughs> How much of yourself are you losing in the process of trying to adapt to a culture? Miss Aholor said <laughs> Ghana was not going to adapt to her. Erika Bennett, 73, founder of the nonprofit Diaspora Africa Forum, said that black Americans came to Ghana in droves in 2020 and they are still coming. But Miss Bennett, who has lived in Africa for 40 years, said that many Americans are not cut out for life America in Africa. <laughs> not cut out for life in America either, as a matter of fact. They're not cut out for life on any continent, as it turns out. And she urged those considering the move to visit first. Africa is not for everybody, she said. (laughs) No, I don't think it is, son. I do not believe that it is. So, let's see. It's 11-11. I have not had a single phone call. I'll just wrap it up. We've had fun. Happy Black History Month, everybody. Um, you know, on the uh, on a Wednesday member show, the Valentine's Day thing, went over some stuff I think I'm probably going to have to bring up on a, uh, on a public show because I think, uh, you know, I, it, what, I, what I said at the beginning of the, the show was like, it strikes me that I have a tendency not to want to repeat things on the show because I feel like I'd be like dicking the listener around, right? Like what, you know, like, oh, I did this in stage one. Like we already figured this out. But not everybody's been listening since the beginning of the program. And so like if I just assume that all of the information from the dawn of time until this episode has been already incorporated into the consciousness of everybody listening, well, that's actually probably not an accurate uh, description of the state of affairs. And so. You know, maybe we'll go back and we'll, like, rehash some stuff. We'll go, you know, dig through, like, hey, you know, what are the biological drives and differences between these groups of people? Why are men and women different? Because it seems to me that some people actually don't understand this. And so I'm thinking about doing some of that. If you guys have ideas, I'm really interested to hear from you. ChristopherCantwell.net slash contact. I'm really easy to get a hold of, you might have heard. Even, you know, if you're not... 
If you're not here during the live shows or you're busy at 9.30 to 11 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you could actually, I, I was going to say, I'd said before that you can call the, the other number. But as a matter of fact, if you call the show number, if you call 217-688-1433 while I'm not on the air, you'll actually go to my voicemail um, and you can leave a message there. And that's fine. I, I would prefer that you call the, the correct number, though, because then I'll have your, like, your caller ID and I can text you back. Uh, and I do that from time to time. And so that number is that number is two zero two five nine nine seven three eight six. If you want to, if you're like, if you want your, if you want to ask, if, if you want to leave me a voicemail that'll get played on the air and ask me a question, you're not able to be here for the live shows. Call two zero two five nine nine seven three eight six. Leave a voicemail. Try not to make it a very long voicemail. I think the maximum recording time is three minutes. If you occupy that entire three minutes, there's a good chance I'm not going to listen. Uh, if you occupy that entire three minutes and then call back, you need to stop drinking and you need to go and get some help. Okay. That's always what happens. When I get like three voicemails in a row and I've got nine minutes, and somebody being like, Chris, I got to tell you about this thing. I'm sorry I've been drinking. <laughs> But, you know, it's, you know, I just had to tell you I couldn't wait until tomorrow or whatever. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. That's not good for you. That's not good for me. It's not good for the show. And it's not going to get your shit played on the air, you know. So, you know, you can just leave a voicemail, like I said, 202-599-7386. ChristopherCampbell.net slash contact. You send me an email. You know how to get a hold of me. It's not that hard. And uh, what else should we do? Should we say... So we've got uh, $15 and $33 came in in Super Chats tonight. If any of you who are listening or watching at some other time and you think that I should make more than $16 a night, go ahead to uh, ChristopherCampbell.net slash donate, or you can go to GiveSendGo.com slash SPM. You can send me money on the Cash App thing. The Cash App thing is Edgy Chris. I got the strike payment, strike.me slash Cantwell. And then uh, all my crypto keys are at ChristopherCantwell.net slash donate. Take that crypto, take that Bitcoin, take that Monero, whatever you got. I'll make good use of it, I promise. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll be able to uh, maybe we'll be able to keep this thing going for another year. So go ahead, do that. And we'll see you back here Monday for Surreal Politics, Wednesday for the ma- uh, member show. And uh, it is, goes without saying, that we'll be back here Friday, cursing up a storm for the radical agenda. Thank you so much for making this possible. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. That's it. It's over. Then we organized the death squads for the people who wrecked America. You know what you call people you can't talk to? Enemies. That's it. It's over. Then we organized the death squads for the people who wrecked America. You know what you call people you can't talk to? Enemies. And if we want to divide our society into armed camps of enmity, all we have to do is keep doing what we're doing. A radical agenda. The event has turned into an opportunity for the left to push a racial and radical agenda. Implementing their radical agenda is the only thing they care about. They're bad actors. What they want to do here is ram their radical agenda down your throat. These are great Americans. These are people that want to see great things for the country. You know, they try and build them like uh, sort of a radical agenda. It's not a radical agenda. It's called the Second Amendment. Fuck you, pay me.